This is close proximity, by the way. You're fucked. Sorry. You're assuming that we were fine and not asymptomatic. I just do a head to make sure there's not 500 of us. Yeah. No, we're okay. Oh, we're okay. <laughs> no, no, it's you close. Didn't count my personalities. <laughs> yes. um, I can be fucked as a singular. Sexy movie babes. <laughs> All right, ready? Welcome to episode four of Siri Gahoos. Uh, my name is Justin. Um, I'm here with Toasty. What's up? And Julia. Hi. Um, yeah, episode four, man. It's we're getting things done. We're seeing some films. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, so this this time we have a couple of interesting ones. Snowtown is the first one we're going to look at from 2011, uh, also known as the Snowtown Murders for whatever reason. Directed by Justin Kurzel, starring Daniel Henschall. Lucas Pitaway and Louise Harris. Uh, it has an IMDb rating of 6.6 out of 10, a Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 66%. And um, as a friend suggested to me to maybe make it a bit more relevant to uh, Australians, uh, I've looked at the Margaret and David ratings. Um, so Margaret Pomerantz gave it 3.5 stars and David gave it 3 stars. So it's all pretty mediocre, pretty average. Right 3.5? They only... To do out of four, don't they? Out of five. Out of five, yeah. Really, do they? Yeah. Oh. But, you know, you've got IMDb rating of 6.6 and audience rating from Rotten Tomatoes of 66%, so, yeah, kind of even there, but, yeah. So, Julia, can you please read the back of the box and tell us about Snowtown? Sure. So, when 16-year-old Jamie is introduced to a charismatic man, a friendship begins. As the relationship grows, so do Jamie's suspicions until he finds his world threatened by both his loyalty for and fear of his newfound father figure John Bunting, Australia's most notorious serial killer. It's, um, I'm, I feel like that doesn't really tell much to the, to what it could be. It's quite a brief blurb, but I'm really excited because... I'm fascinated by what drives criminals, and I don't. I don't know if I'd necessarily say that uh, John Bunting is Australia's most notorious serial killer. I'd say that that probably belongs to um, Miller. Exactly. Oh, what about us for serial killers? Yeah, I was going to say Martin Bryant, but that was more just mass murder. Yeah, mass. That was, mass <clears throat> excuse me. That was straight up mass murder. Yeah. Um, I I know you've been looking forward to seeing this one for a while, um, and there's always a like, true crime is always in the popular culture. Uh, sorry, popular zeitgeist. People seem to really yeah want to know about true crime. It's never been a massive fascination of mine, um, but a good case is always a curiosity. So, and I remember this happening. I remember the Snowtown murders. What year know, was it? Uh, the actual yeah. murders? Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember, Julia? Not off the top of my head. 1994? I, it was the late 90s, I oh. feel, when it was discovered. I feel that they actually went for a period of time and that we may need to re-record this intro after we've educated ourselves. <laughs> it sounds like we know what we're talking about. Uh, oh, we can discover that through the magic of cinema. Oh, magic. my God. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I love anything that is about 
you know, bizarre crimes and behaviours and whatnot. I'm, I'm terrible at remembering names, and you guys know I do not watch many films outside of this forum, but I loved Wolf Creek. Right. I loved it so much. It was terrifying and exciting and engaging, and I'm, despite the mediocre reviews, I'm hoping the same for this. I'm surprised it's got such mediocre reviews. I thought... 3.4 is... Well, I'm talking about more the sort of 66%. Oh. You know, they're kind of like, I expected a bit more from... Uh, from this film because I'd heard so much about it. I mean, there's a lot of stars on the case, you know, as they probably cherry-picked their their um, reviewers. Um, who are they in the back here? So we have... The Empire Magazine, yeah. ABC Adelaide, the West Australian, and The Vine, all five stars. So, And I trust Clem Basto. I do. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find <laughs> out. Um, what are your expectations, Toasty, for Snowtown? Well, I I like tend to like true crime, but I don't tend to like horror films. So, like, you know, or, or gore or, you know, things like Wolf Creek. Where it's, I don't like dramatizations. Right. I like, um, you know, documentaries on... I can watch, like, real things of the worst terrible shit, but when you try and dramatize it, I'm like... I don't want to see, like the person screaming and the heartbeat and then the blood and the what's actually happening I prefer to pick apart the pick apart the Julia's a freak I prefer to pick apart the the actual evidence the things that we know because right. I feel like otherwise we're looking at things we don't know also I can't sleep at night uh, that's a big problem so I think for me this I don't I don't get the feeling that this is going to be a big like muffled screams like sh- um, muffled screams like you know jump scare type thing I don't no. feel like we're going to have that I feel like it's going to be more like you know, feeling sick in the gut, like, you know, tension, maybe a bit of violin in there somewhere, uh, very Australian sort of cinematography. So I have... I don't think that, like, it's something that I would ever go out of my way of watching, um, even though I've heard it's reasonably good. Um, but I'm also not totally cynical about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, they might... Right. Especially because it's got a good... I like the picture on the cover. I like the way they've chosen their um, font... When that, that tells me a lot about what whether or not I'm probably like a movie, really, to be honest. So the cover really sets the scene for yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, there's a claustrophobia to it. There's a closeness of the two men on the cover. It's two men's faces. You can only see their eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One's behind the other. Is, are they pulling strings? There's a lot of metaphors. There's a lot of layers to that cover. And it's also like the, the way they've taken the photograph. It's obviously an early morning light. They know there's a picture on the back with excellent depth of field. Um I picked it up. Excellent depth of field, picture of kids. I feel like there's going to be some Australiana, like some uh, faded images of kids in high-waisted jeans doing some stupid shit. Yeah. So I'm not even sure where Snowtown is in um, South Australia, um, but I imagine some long shots of kind of open, scrubby yeah. desert plains Open stuff. space and bored children. Yeah. And it's going to be, like, it's going to be interesting to see the where they handle the, the corruption of the character. This, yeah. um, you know, who's maybe a lost soul, you know, or due to... I don't know, maybe family or something like that. He's like a bit directionless or traumatised even. Hashtag drugs. Uh, but yeah, it could be drugs. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm not ma- massive on true crime, but uh, when there's a good one that comes around, I'm always curious to see. Yeah. I think it's going to be a bit of a slow burner as well. It'll probably take a, a while. It'll, I don't want to say plod through its plot, but it will develop its plot in a paced yeah. uh, momentum. <laughs> I don't expect there to be any rock. I don't expect there to be any car chases. No. You know, there's no Italian job in this. It's going to be South Australia and some people in friggin... Uh, what, what, what do they put them in? Bins? Uh, barrels. Barrels, yes. Bodies, bodies in barrels bodies doesn't tell barrels. you about some high adrenaline no. stakes. Um, some oh, sad shit. about so decomposition, man. Yeah. The, this one likes it. The yeah. director did um, <laughs> recently did The True History of the Cali Gang, which was released this year, um, oh. to a lot of popular things um so i'm kind of curious to see 
Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm really interested in seeing it. Uh, it's on my list for sure. So I'd be curious to see how it does with this one as well. Yeah. Uh, the second film we have is called The Year My Voice Broke from 1987, uh, written and directed by John Dugan, uh, stars Noah Taylor, uh, Lauren Carmen, and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, it has an IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 84%. Uh, David Stratton gave this five stars. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't find a ranking for Margaret Pomerantz. Um, Women, you know, losing out. No, it's no, more... Patriarchy! <laughs> he just boofed her away and was like, five stars, bitches, no, and SBS, then punched her in the face. SBS or the ABC took all their ra- uh, rankings or all their old stuff offline. So there's a, a really fabulous website that a friend told me about that uh, has all their um, reviews listed, but um, some were lost, some aren't, can't, you know, were cut off from the original television or... Right. That, so I can only find that. that. Um, apparently it's a autobiographical film about John Dugan, about his uh, sort of coming of age time, um, about uh, a couple of friends, or three friends and some uh, love that develops in and out of them. But uh, Toasty, I'll get you to read the back of the box for me in this well, one. Well, I'll tell you that this movie is called The Year My Voice Broke. I'm, as of you are, I'm most <clears> curious <throat> as to whether or not they fix it. We'll figure that out by the end. <laughs> Um, I'm a bit excited about Ben Mendelsohn. He looks like he... And I think he's got Noah Taylor there as well. Yeah, Noah, Noah Taylor. Taylor. looks like he has just been born. We, these days, have many, many... We're lucky enough to have much Noah Taylor in our spheres of yeah. consciousness, including Star Wars. And, you know, obviously he was in uh, Mullet at the start. Or was it him in Mullet or was it Ben Mendelsohn? It was Ben Mendelsohn Yeah, in but he was in Die with a Flaffle in My Hands. Yeah, and sorry, and Noah Taylor wasn't in Star Wars. That was Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Noah Taylor has been in... What did I just watch him in? Shine, Predestination. Yeah, a bunch of cool shit. Um, he's a G. He's also in a country practice, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and just recently, I swear I saw him in, like, uh, a rock movie, to be honest. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of one of those... He's made his way in Hollywood as, like, a sort of uh, a character actor, a villain sometimes. He's often in a suit, he's skinny, and he's telling them to do bad things. Yeah. Like, yes, or, Noah Taylor. Or in a place of power. Yeah. Um, and um, I looked through his IMDb listing, and he's done... He's played Adolf Hitler a number of times. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just got that skinny vibe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he looks like he's just been born on this. It says five AFI awards, including Best Picture. Um, the year my voice broke is set in the summer of 1962 in a remote New South Wales country town. Adopted as a baby, 16-year-old Freya, Leanne Carmen, or Leonie Carmen, sorry, is a constant target of cool gossip and speculation. Uh, she has massive hair, massive blonde hair. I don't know how they're... Yeah. Um, spirited and independent, her only one ally is Danny, Noah Taylor, my boy, who has been in love with her as long as he can remember. From a distance, Danny watches helplessly. Oh, hashtag friendzoned. I don't believe in that. As Freya falls for the t- uh, town tearaway, Trevor Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, this is literally all of my teenage dreams. I'm so excited. <laughs> Trevor and Freya's relationship has explosive results that change everything and trigger Danny's discovery of the town's darkest secret. I'm going to just put a guess out here. She was adopted, but it's actually her sister who's her mum, and she got adopted by Anne or some shit like that. Well, some real or, or fucking Ben Mendels is her motherfucking dad, and she's making out with him. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing it's something to do with the adoption, and okay. that's what the dark secret is. But he doesn't want to tell her, and she'll just think he's just trying to break up her relationship. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what to expect. You can re-record that if you want to, that no, whole thing. <laughs> it's all fine. It's all staying in. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, this is quite... It's one of those films that you hear about a lot uh, as a sort of classic Australian piece of cinema, um, one I've never seen. Uh, that's why it's on the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, I'm a bit I'm a bit sceptical, though, because there's so many things where it's, like, classic, and my parents are like, oh, my gosh, my parents. The parents or the generation previous are like, oh, my God, it's amazing, and then you watch it and you're like... 
Well, they need, they just didn't have any standards. So. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> standards evolve. Don yeah. Gain is kind of one of those um, directors uh, who sort of came up in the early ages of uh, Australian cinema, like through the sort of 70s and 80s. Um, kind of one of the original um, serious yahoos, if you will. You know, he, um, he you know, they, they didn't really know what they were doing. There was a lot of trying different things and experiencing different things, and he's made himself quite a name. A lot of his other films that I looked up I had never heard of, um, so yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what he's going to do as well. Signals. Yeah. Uh, Julia, what do you think? What do you expect from The Year My Voice Broke? Oh, the sirens, they're just going to happen constantly. Yeah. That's the uh, price um, we pay. I have no expectations whatsoever because I've never heard of it. Right. It uh, it sounds like the every story. I feel like we've watched a couple of films about coming to age in country Australia town. No, there's, there's usually a female character, but she's generally a, a lesser character in, in the films that we've watched so far, and I feel it's possibly going to be this way. Hmm. I think with masculinity Again. in Australian cinema. <laughs> All yeah. right. Are you okay, Toasty? I'm fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> it might be nice to see a coming-of-age film from a female point of view. Um, I can't well, think I, of I, I, Beauty Blues, uh, bruv. Looking, looking for Alla Brandy. Yeah, okay. Looking for Alla Brandy. Great. <gasps> Best moment of all time! Pulling <laughs> <laughs> in my cheddar. You're my boo, if you want to call me. Both are happy. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> call me. <laughs> I haven't seen either of those, so I can try and acquire them for the podcast and we can watch them. Yeah, maybe we can set a theme for another another episode. But I really don't have any expectations for, for this film. I know nothing about the director, given that I am... Sure. not prone to watching but, anything so from the, from the case again we've got a long shot on the front of the case we've got a long shot of a sort of um, pastoral land very dry and um, you know brown looking like Australia normally is um, you know a woman laying down and almost being hypnotised by uh, a young boy standing over her with a or sitting over her with a, with a watch um, which I don't know I don't know what that says to you whether you know it doesn't say a lot it's just a great shot really but it's, um, it's a curious uh, choice for the cover Ben Mendelsohn, I am generally cold on. He's never, <gasps> I've never found him convincing as an actor. I know, I know I've had this discussion before. Um, I'm always willing to give him a chance, but I just, every time I see him on screen, all I can see is Ben Mendelsohn and not the character he's playing. So, um, I think he does things to women that maybe you might not understand. Perhaps, perhaps that's true. <laughs> he has a secret power, but it's, it's also it's just this tall, deep, voicey, um, convincing thing that I know he does something and that I appreciate and okay. respect, even in a thespian sense. We'll see how he does oh, that. I. <laughs> um, so the next question is, what do we watch first? Can you say that out loud? <laughs> um, straight down. <laughs> I'm down. Snowtown it is. Snowtown and down. Okay. Woo! <laughs> um, we're going to barrel into this film. <laughs> so we're going to try things that slightly differently this session. <laughs> we're <something>. going to... <laughs> <laughs> You got right. there. I mean, he just got it. You so got was, there in the end. I was, I was like, he hates me. I was just concentrating on what I was yeah. saying and I didn't quite pick it up. Yeah. Um, but we're going to try something a little different for this session. We're going to watch Snowtown and then we'll come back and discuss that and then go on to watch The Year My Voice Broke and discuss that at the end. Um, so we will retire to the couch and watch some Snowtown and then come back for a bit of a chat. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. The leader wants us to discuss stuff.
You ever shot a gun before? Well, go on, pick it up to the outfield. Feel good? Yeah? You wanna shoot it? Yeah? Shoot it. Not what? Shoot the dog. Kill. Kimmy. Kimmy. Good girl. Kimmy. Good girl. Shoot your dog. No. No? Why not? She's my dog, mate. I don't really give a shit. I'll look, mate. You won't. You don't even have to look at it. You just shoot it. Shoot it. Shoot it. Shoot the fucking dog! <laughs> okay, we're back at the table after watching Snowtown. Um, Julia, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of the film so despite the short and uh undetailed or rather brief blurb um there was actually a lot of content to snowtown where it followed a young fellow jamie who definitely i would say grew up in a disadvantaged household and as a result of that upbringing and neighborhood and lifestyle was easily manipulated by John, as well as experiencing some other traumatic events involving what I assume is a half-brother and a neighbour. Mm-hmm. And it's the story of it's, it's a story that follows Jamie as he is gradually manipulated more and more by John and some of the acts that they undertake either as individuals or together and the severity of these acts increases throughout the film it's um it's a difficult film to describe succinctly without giving a lot away who is john uh john is a fellow who appears in jamie's life initially as a romantic partner of jamie's mother liz um yeah, it's I, all right to give away that he is. I mean, there's no time. I guess yeah, it's, it's it's a true story. So John is the main murderer, I guess the uh, the greatest murderer. Great seems an unusual word no. to use there. Um, and he has a couple of accomplices, Robert, Mark, and eventually Jamie. And I don't know. Like I found it. I find it difficult to describe and Toasty said something before and I have to agree with it this is offline where 
It was an interesting film, but I didn't like it. Okay. Mm. Are you going to say something as well? Oh, I mean, if they'd made, if the same director had directed it in that way and it was a coming-of-age film, like, um, as I always mentioned, Somersault or something, I would have liked it. I liked the aesthetic. Just had a whole bunch of, uh, I mean, sad topics. It's not like you can't touch on sad topics, but my synopsis of that would be, like, poverty, then these motherfuckers kill some people and put them in barrels. <laughs> and it's bad. Pretty much. I mean, we're introduced to the poverty quite quickly. I guess yeah. obviously. So the murders happen around Adelaide for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a bit of research, this all happened between 1992 and 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Snowtown is a small town between halfway between Adelaide and Port Augusta. Don't know if the snow bit's any is true or not. If there's lots of snow, I don't know either. Uh. Um, becomes the sort of name for the the case, the murders and whatnot, because that's where they found the bodies initially, um, and with that, sorry, where the murderer stored the bodies. So yeah, the poverty is quite evident to begin with. There's lots of lots of smoking, lots of um, lots of scenes of poverty that I'm sure we've all seen growing up mm. in uh, rural towns. There's lots of dirty sort of trash in backyards yeah, and like, kids playing with um, shopping carts because there's nothing else to do. Um, yeah. Chipped paint, so much clutter. Yeah. Just, yeah, def- definitely things that I think we all recognise from our own youth. But um, I think something I failed to mention is that it initially starts off the John's involvement initially starts off kind of as a reaction to the uh, the initial crimes of the neighbour who Jeffrey Jeffrey yeah Jeffrey yes. who um was exploiting Jamie and his brothers um and that's how we're first introduced to John and he seems so innocent and sweet and as a as a protagonist initially mm. as kind of a, a savior of sorts for for Jamie and Liz and and the community as this, as this, you know, yeah. fellow who wants to do good, who wants to improve the community, who wants to fight for justice, you know. But then we we slowly hear that his version of justice involves, you know, taking care of pedos. Yep. Well, pedos and homos. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, and junkies. Yeah. There's there's confusion around whether he's specifically targeting these groups or whether he just lumps them all in together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting evolution. Yeah, he kind of draws a parallel between what he does as, like, you know, what the Anzacs did. They went off and fought a, you know, a, a nemesis, an enemy, you know, people doing bad things. And, you know, if, I think his words were, you know, if, if I'm kicking the shit out of a pinko or something like that, then um, why is that not the same thing? How is it different, you know? There's this chick that I know, I've known for a lot of years. Yeah. And she has this boyfriend, partner thing, whatever. And she actually found that guy in bed with her daughter. How old was his daughter? Uh, she was about six or seven at the time. She kicked him out for maybe, I don't know, 48 hours. Then took him back into her home with that daughter and just let him live there. Just let that fucker live in her house. You wouldn't do that, would you? That ch- oh, fuck no. What would you do? Oh, first chance I got, I would fucking probably skin his penis. What about you, What would you do, mate? Show the 30 over, he was asked and pulled the trigger. That's it. That's too easy. Before that, can we? I know I can see someone in here. There's something else you'd do before that, wouldn't it? Yeah, kick the absolute fuck out of him. Yeah, break every fucking bone in his body. Cut his cock off, shove it in his mouth. See you later. How the fuck do you like it? Put a fucking candle in the cock eye. See you later, happy birthday, and then up the arse, right? Just shove some bloody 
with a waterproof match heads up his fucking dick. Fucking nice. What about you, mate? What would you do? Don't be a fucking pussy, mate. Have a go. Stop it, John. Stop what? Just your main shit. You're saying it's okay for these people to just go on what they're doing? I reckon you should just get them all in one. It's just not even about that anymore, panic, mate. mate. and blow them all up. What are you even fucking talking about, Liz? It's not about that. It's not fucking mean if you kick the shit out of some diseased prick. He fucking deserves it. It's an Australian fucking tradition anyway. Hey? Look at Anzac Day, for Christ's sake. The whole country applauds a bunch of blokes who killed and tortured men, don't they? Why do they do that? Because they fucking deserved it, didn't they? See, I don't get it. What's the difference between me putting the boot in a fucking pink one and then killing a yellow cunt? You don't have a badge. Yeah. I don't have a badge. You don't have a badge. That's it. Where's my fucking parade? Yeah, where's your day? Um, but yeah, the way he's introduced is quite. I mean, he comes in as a as a good force. He's kind of seen like in a in a house that's seen a lot of tra trauma and trouble and um, poverty. Um, but it, yeah, he's, the actor playing him, um, Daniel Henshaw, is just just nails it. He's just like this so creepy coldness behind the eyes and this psychopath kind of. Yeah, I want to check on him. Yeah, um, like everybody in this film is actually cast very well. Like yeah. it was kind of captivating to watch them. Everybody convey the emotions. It was. Oh man, I felt anxious kind of through the whole thing. Mm. Every every character was really believable. Like the actors, I don't know if I would necessarily be able to watch them in something else and separate them from these roles. Like they definitely really owned who yeah. they were. Like, and everyone was believable. Like looking at Jamie, he has the face of you know people. Like he's he's this meshy face of people blended together. And all of these characteristics and qualities of people I remember growing up with. And you can see him as, you know, someone who really, really was affected by poverty. And he has that, this hunched stance and just mm. this kind of shriveled way of moving. And he's so passive in things. Learned helplessness and all that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I'm really curious to see them in something else, just to kind of clear the palette. Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen Daniel Henschel in something, like in maybe even a commercial, like an ad for like BCF or... Um, BCF? Like a, a fishing camping store or, you know, like a beer or something like that. I'm sure I've seen his face around as mm -hmm. an actor. I mean, yeah. He's um, really good. Yeah. The, I mean, the sort of... Our predictions of the, the style of the film was, I think, was spot on for all of us. It was very much a slow-burning, long shots... Um, a lot of shaky hand cam stuff. I did like the... Um, they did these bits where it was like the most... I would say that they'd use that style if they were shooting someone who was on, like, uh, ice or something, but that, that doesn't relate to this. But I guess more that they had these sped-up bits of anxiety where they were fast-forwarding the breathing of, yeah. of, of everybody in the yeah. shots, and it was almost like um, uh, strobe... Strobish, yeah, a visual, um, a visual strobe, visual strobe, consistent mm. lighting, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that to me was, um, it could have been fucked, but it was really good. Yeah, I it like was that. Very effective. I liked 
everything about the film except for the content. <laughs> Which means I like the way the actors acted. I like the way it was stylized. I like the way it was directed. I liked everything about it, but I just didn't want to watch this this arsehole. It was just so real. Yeah. And it was also quite long. It was just so real. It was almost like they'd just taken a camera and shot when it was actually happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that for me wasn't my diet. Well, my cup, cup of potato chips or whatever, but... It was it was good. It was all good. I, I didn't. It's just really fucked. You I know? mean, yeah, they set the the scene and set up the film really well, and setting up the trauma and the poverty of the household, and bringing John into the situation, um, and some of the other characters as well, and the, the, the state of the suburb they live in. Um, it, maybe they could have shaved twenty minutes out of it, you know. But I mean, I was engaged, and I still feel like I feel a little bit nauseous, kind of thing. Mm. It was just such a intense film um i kind of i want to watch the special features yeah well i never want to watch it again but i'm glad yeah. i've seen it you know it's that kind of film yeah i think i think we all agree on on that perspective where we all enjoyed it as a film but would probably not watch it again yeah would you be interested in seeing anything else by um the director uh, yes. his name i've just forgotten justin Kurzel. thank you yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I really want to go and hunt out the um, the true history of the Cali Gang now. I'm kind of super curious to see what he, else he's... He told done. a difficult story very well. We yeah. do have this Australian thing with, like, crime and boys and, like, Animal Kingdom and, like, Snowtown and, like, whatever that crime that boss show was that we had. Boss um, show? The crime boss show where, about all the murders. Um, oh, um, Underbelly. Underbelly. Like, we've got this thing about, like... Aussie, you know. Yeah, um, but it's not. I don't think it's just Australia, though. It seems to be universal the world over. Like at least sure. in the Western world, I can say. You know, you see a lot of that from the British, Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders, mm. and um, thousands I of cop it, shows. I guess it's more this like weird. I, I think it's it is it, lino it poverty. To, sorry, you murder. Lino, lino poverty murder. Like nineties lino poverty murder. Right, like, right. I don't know. Oh, as in that's that's the way it's done in Australia. So we kind of picked a decade to focus on yeah. all of the crime. Maybe we, that's this, when we were committing all of our crimes. Yeah, crime. I mean, there's also this, um, the Kelly Gang's obviously not in the 90s. Like, we have this, this colonial crime, but I really do think we really focus on this this suburban crime thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, what were you say? Oh, I was just thinking, um, it reverts back to what we were saying before we watched the film, where we do tend to like there is this fascination with true crime and there are lots of films and and television shows and books and theater plays i mean it's it's become part of our entertainment is to become the third person watching these things unfold and i think there's a certain fascination when you know it's real and when it happened in your country in your backyard there's a there's a bizarre connection to mm. it, even though you were not involved at all. It's interesting. I'm Look casting, at it go. <gasps> yeah, I'm casting my eye across all the DVDs we've watched for this, and a lot of them are about crime. End play, Jasper Jones, Sweet Country, um, Death in Brunswick. Colonial crime, suburban crime. Yeah, it's smack bang. Yeah, Lino, Lino murders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, that's exactly it. You really nailed it. I mean, we do have these small town dramas, and I guess crime is um, it's prime for creating drama, you know, or for setting drama within. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's I, not, I mean, as someone I, who's not big on true crime, I guess I really, I know this, it's really engaged me, maybe because I've not seen a lot of true crime and I generally avoid it, but this was, yeah, this really 
I mean, I, I just, yeah, I feel really anxious still after watching it, you know. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next film so I can, yeah, um, think of something else. From a production point of view, was there anything you liked and disliked about the film? Tracky cam, didn't like it. <laughs> you just got a bit, a bit tired of that? Yeah, but I, I liked the, the sped up anxiety scenes and sure. the, um, I mean, it was beautifully shot. I loved everything about it except for the shaky cam. I found the music to be perfect it was like yeah. not overbearing and you didn't it didn't stick out it's that, that kind of thing where you it, it's so good that you don't notice it but it sets the scene so well perfect for creating ambience yeah it really yeah, it, de- it yeah. definitely heightened the atmosphere of the visuals yeah. what I found I, I, I feel in two minds about the music so the music itself was really great and I loved that there were no songs from the radio like there was no lyrics or anything that interfered with the dialogue of the characters mm-hmm. they didn't try and use any music to set a scene beyond minimal use and I and I liked that I felt like it was it was like having a face full of makeup versus someone who's wearing just eyeliner or just sure. mascara it was, a, it was good as a highlighter what I didn't enjoy about the music is there were a couple of scenes with very loud thumpy music right. where it was kind of like a not quite heartbeat. a heartbeat I don't know I don't know the right word for it no one does it um, and Although it was effective, it felt overbearing. Right. And I felt that in those moments, it detracted from my enjoyment of the scene. Fair enough. Um, I think the lighting of the, the the film was great. Like, it had that fluoro blue light, and it's just always... I think of Chopper, you know, another classic Australian film that sort of uses that to sort of show off poverty and, you know, because you've always got fluoros in the kitchen or something like that, you just don't get that in, you know, rich apartments or locations because it's a harsh light. Um... The talking over each other was really good. Like right at the start, there was a conversation at the kitchen table where it was that kind of stilted Australian dialogue that I've kind of mentioned in the past and I'm kind of used to it. It's always distracting, but um, there's plenty of other scenes where it was almost like the ad lib, like when Jamie was talking to his junkie friend and they were just kind of like talking about um, a relationship or an encounter one the junkie had. What do you mean by stilted? Like, you know, it's usually like there's always a bit of a gap between yeah. conversation, you know, where conversation's not normal like that. We talk over each other, yeah. you know, with the we positive affirmation, you know. Um whereas it's You're all very scripted. Where in in the past with Australian films it's all felt very scripted. Somebody will say something, there's a pause, the next yeah. person will say something. You know, and it always took me out of the film. But this like um, there was lots of talking over people but you could still understand what was going on and some kind of ad-libbing or well-rehearsed in the way they, they did it, you know. I did feel like every single conversation here was amazing. The only thing was that the, their dad, when he was speaking at one point, I felt like it was acted. Right. The only actor at any point and that was in just this one moment where sure. I was like, that seems scripted. The rest of it, they all seemed like they were fucking povo people sitting around a table going, I want to fucking kill Peter. So that's what it felt like. Yeah. It didn't feel like actors being, being given lines. No, it, yeah, was, it, it was scary felt and natural. stressful and shit. Yeah, yeah. It felt natural. And I, I enjoyed that. Going back to the scene with Jamie and his friend who probably had a name, um, but I can't recall it, that was easily my favourite scene because in it was the, the only – In the whole movie – it no, was in the, the whole. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just clarified. That was <laughs> one of my favourite scenes too. So, yeah. So, for context nice. for, for the listeners, at one point, John and his main henchman, I'm going to call him Robert, mm-hmm. dug a deep hole in John's backyard. And there's a scene where Jamie and his friend, the junkie, who we've, we've been calling him because we've all missed his name, was sitting on a couch in the hole, smoking from a bong, and... 
it just felt so natural and it was the only part of the film where Jamie seemed to have genuine enjoyment and meaningful connection with anyone without there being any tension or stilted relationships. Like there was no... There was no dynamic they were trying to create. They were just mates. And yeah. I really I really enjoyed that. And That's it what he felt, needed. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like even though this character was involved in intravenous drugs, he was probably the most positive and healthy influence on Jamie, <laughs> and John removed that. Yeah, sure mm. did. Fuck this wind. Some fucking women upon love, but it's been a while since I've actually had some true love, eh? I'm like, you know, you've done a few fells before, but the last romantic thing I can remember doing, bro, you know, like I say, it's been a while. And I, I won and dined her, you know, did the, did the whole nine yard thing. Mm. I uh, booked a hotel on Glen Osmond Road, took her um, to a um, hotel on uh, Eagle, on, I think it's called Eagle on the Hill, right? It's real classy restaurant, dude. Like, cost me, cost me hundreds of hundreds of dollars, obviously, to mm-hmm. pay for it and that. But, but she was worth it. Mate. She was beautiful. You know what I mean? I, yeah. lo- I loved yeah. that. I and um, yeah, took her, took her to the wine and dined there. You know what I mean? Then afterwards, went to uh, I think it's called Windy Point or Wind or whatever it is. It's a lookout, right? Up in the hills. Up in the hills, right? Which was beautiful, you know what I mean? Got got into each other a little bit, a little bit heated, you know what I mean? Mm. But 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 in, a, in that loving, caring sort of nurturing feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, took her back to the hotel room, and you know it wasn't it wasn't fucking, you know. And see you later. It, it was something more to it, you know, substance, yeah. mate, substance. Miss it. So what's he going to do with this now? Yeah, he's talking about making a bomb shelter. <laughs> Who the fuck's going to bomb us, brother? <laughs> I don't right? know, man. Shit. Yeah, he's got some big ideas. Um, anyway, let's um, go back to the couch and try and clear our minds with the new coming of age story which hopefully has some sort of positive things going on because damn I think we need it yeah um, I don't know Ben Mendelsohn and Noah Taylor don't really bring the joy <laughs> like they are some serious men so yeah let's see what happens there there's no um, Hugh, Grant, Hugh Jackman in this shit no and we'll be back to discuss that in a moment alright See if you can hypnotise me then. Okay. Alright. Give us your locket. Are you relaxed? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now watch the locket. Backwards and forwards. Listen to the sound of my voice. 
Excuse me, sound professional. Are you going to do it properly or not? Okay, I'll do it properly. <sighs> Watch the locket. Swing backwards and forwards. Backwards and forwards. And relax. Your eyes are getting very heavy. You are feeling very tired. My voice is very smooth and sleepy. You are so relaxed that nothing matters at all. Can you hear me? Lift your left hand. come to, you'll find that you're extremely keen on me. In fact, you'll like me considerably more than you like that thug meathead, Trevor Lashman. And also, you'll be wanting to make love to me, desperately. I'm not going to do anything bad. So just continue to relax. I wasn't going to do anything. I was just trying. I wasn't going to try and take anything off. It was just. If it had been anyone else, the whole school would have been laughing at me. That was one thing about Frey. You could really trust her. You could tell her anything and she'd always keep it to herself. So we're back after watching our final film, The Year My Voice Broke, directed by John Dugan. Um, Toasty, can you give us a synopsis of... <laughs> you don't want me to do this <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I do. Ah! I think I do. Um, you know what? There's some young people. <laughs> they living in an Australian town. Uh, some drama in the middle bit. Let's start with some names some, first. Perhaps. Some panty sniffing. Some snow dropping in panty sniffing. Some pregnancy and some drama. And um, that's that's all that's up, really. <laughs> okay, like, no, I don't even I didn't pay attention to the names, really. Okay, so there's Danny. Yeah, there's Danny. Um, which one was he? Danny was the main character. Danny was the main character. Danny was played by Noah Taylor. And it's kind of like, I feel like this was maybe written by a dude who was sort of reminiscing about growing up. Definitely, it was autobiographical. Yeah, autobiographical. Yeah. So, you know, he just kind of loves this other chick from afar. What's the other chick's name, Justin? Uh, Freya. And they were were friends from childhood. They were friends from childhood. They're all, say, about 16 at the moment. Yeah, no. So she she was older than Danny, and that was one of the comments that another character made. It's like, she's older than you That's right, she was. She's maybe a year or two older. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a coming of age film. There's a dark secret in there somewhere, and uh, he just loves her from far. Bit of bit of watching through the window, panic sniffing. And there's this, so that whole you know masculine growing up, you know, yeah. just figuring out your identity and and that weird awkward place between um, childhood and adulthood. And, and um, there's some beautiful sprawling, sprawling landscapes, and um, yeah, teenage romance. And what about Trev? Tell us about Trev. Trev, uh, Trev was a sort of, you know, they all filled very obvious. Um, what's the word? Archetypes? No, yeah. tropes. Yeah, you know, he was the young loner guy. Who is Trev? First, of all. right. 
Trev is the guy, is his Ben Mendelsohn, yeah? Yes. Yeah. So Noah Taylor, he was the Lona guy who loved her from afar. She was the chick who's gonna got into trouble. That's the thing in Australian films. She was got the, knocked uh, up. Yeah, the roustabout chick. Yeah. The the bicycle apparently was what they called it because she got rode by everyone in town. No. Oh yeah, I guess. Well, they so, yeah. were talking about it in, in yeah. those ways. Yeah. Um, and Ben Mendelsohn was the guy who came, appeared, and he was all badass he and he the, stole cars. He was and, the footballer, the tearaway. Yeah. yeah. And they called him in the film. G'day. Hi. Wanna smoke? Yeah. Well, what are you doing later on? Going home, I suppose. You wanna you wanna come for a drive? I'm not pitching Mrs. Osmond's car again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old dear went away for the weekend, went up on the train somewhere. We'll go to the race course. What do we do there? Beat the record. I'd done uh, 96 round there last time. Yeah, and Sergeant Pierce caught you. Yeah, well, uh, I was on the way back. I mean, it was just, you know, bad luck. What else would we do? That's for you to find out, isn't it, if you're a... Uh the game yeah so he came along and scooped her up and the uh, watcher from afar type boy just watched from afar as they were canoodling and uh and then it was sort of un- unraveled from there <laughs> sorry i told you not to ask me bro i'm just gonna be <laughs> no, like no, i like asking you because sometimes you nail it and you get it down like just pat and like it, it flows really easily and sometimes you're all over the place so. yeah i told you this time was not really one of those times because i didn't i didn't I, when I'm, I'm like angry about something I can just be like these motherfuckers did this thing <laughs> was when I'm just like oh fuck's sake yeah. I'm like some That's teenagers fine. had some sex and they were dumb so we'll, we'll <laughs> fill in some gaps here yeah, yeah. so Danny Freya grew up together um, and Danny has a crush on Freya which is not reciprocated good way of putting it instead of just panic sniffer yeah, yeah. He, he, so he yeah, he showed his affection by stealing her underwear and um, yeah longing for her from afar yes uh, occasionally trying to kiss her which she didn't reciprocate Trev was the footballer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they and Terraway met on the farm doing the hauling hay bales and things like that. And um, they had a bit of a romance developed between Freya and Trev. Um, Trev became trouble, I guess is a good way to put it. He stole cars. I think he, I think he was always trouble because it was that he'd stolen someone's Mercedes again. That's right, yeah. The boy had issues. Yeah. You know, I, I think he was kind of the bad boy, which in a small town in the 60s probably meant that he was just what we would call a bit of a hooligan these It's days. super hot. It's super hot. Ben Mendelsohn is. I don't know, the bad boy thing. Oh, really? It's just a thing. See, yeah. Yeah. going for that thing. It works. Um, no. yeah. It's better than panty saving, to be honest. That, that is true. Yeah. So, oh. was... <laughs> You're like, I've gone into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other significant characters, I guess, were um, Jonah. Played by Bruce Spence, who um, is well, I like seeing him on screen. Yeah, he's always got a long face. He's in um, Mad Max. Yeah, um, plays the gyro captain yeah. in Mad Max Two. Um, he was a sort of a railway worker. He kind of worked the signals, lived in a train carriage. It was quite a professional-looking guy, and was an author as well. He's writing his own book, but fascinated by things like hypnosis, UFOs, and you know things like that, and spiritualism, and kind of pass that on to Noah and Freya. So, the Danny and Freya, um, and the rest were all sort of side characters. I think they weren't yeah. overly valuable to the story. This won five out of five awards. I'm just going to be. Yeah, I mean, well, I'd be curious to see what else was produced in 1987 to see what it was up against. Um, I mean, it was. 
you know, uh, 87 Australian film industry is probably not that advanced. I mean, we had Mad Max and things, but it's still very, um, not amateur, but coming of age, I guess. Coming of age, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I mean, from a technical point of view, I thought it was quite a, it was, it was well shot, well lit. Yeah. You could hear what the hell was going it's on. beautiful, yeah. Um, the dialogue suffered from the, what I described for um, Snowtown. It was that stilted Australian yeah. dialogue waiting for somebody to say their line space mm. and, and, and a stereotypical accent for, for the time as well I which... hate you mum <laughs> <laughs> I hate you too I hate you fucking me um, your thoughts Julia um, not positive that's I negative really, you guys yeah I really I did not enjoy this I yes there were some beautiful scenes and some lovely like footage but as a story it felt bland yeah i just i don't have any anything positive to say about this aside from noah taylor looking a little bit like nick cave at times mm, that was nice yeah um it's because of nick cave though not because every movie. everyone felt very wooden i wasn't convinced by the acting right i didn't enjoy the dialogue i didn't enjoy mm. the story it didn't yes it felt like a believable story but some of the some of the aspects of it just felt really unbelievable, possibly true for the 60s, but that's well outside my sphere of experience. That's so fair. the fact that, you know, when, when it was revealed that Freya was pregnant, you know, all of the middle-aged men standing outside the pub jeering. Yeah. Was that real? Is that what went on in small towns? At the, I mean, controversy would have got around quite quickly, gossip. Oh, oh, absolutely, and, and we all know that, but... That would never be the kind of thing, at least in, in my small country town, that would happen where you'd have a, a large congregation of people coming outside to sneer and, and you know, no. speak poorly to someone. Like, it's just not for something like that. I thought you said Trevor Leishman never got into Freya Olsen's pants. Because I don't reckon he did. How come she's pregnant then? Where'd you get that from? Liz Elliott, her sister's a nurse. Could be half a fifth form, probably. <laughs> Here she comes. Who's the lucky man? I think that would happen, though. I think we're very realistic. I mean, that's been portrayed in a couple other films. Like, um... Uh, the Dressmaker, I mm. think that was the 50s, maybe the early 60s. It had a very similar thing. They didn't have the internet, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> um, small-town drama and a lot of everyone knows everyone else's business and there's a lot of public uh, shaming. Mm. Absolutely. Where, where I come from, there is actually a saying, if you don't know what you're doing, don't worry, everyone else does. Mm. Right, right. Um, um, yeah. I feel like her hair was way more 80s and 60s. I felt like that, yeah, it felt like it was made in the 80s and you could tell. Yeah, it wasn't in the 80s. I know, but her hair, like whoever was doing it, tried to make... If I just looked at her, I would have thought, oh, this is an 80s movie. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the production uh, quality and everything else of the film, I mean, I've already spoken about that. How did you feel about that, Julia? Mm. You you said you weren't convinced by the acting, but what did you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, the sets were good. The sets were good, and they were... The props were appropriate for the time as well as some of the behaviours of the characters, like the mother cutting up vegetables and putting the scraps into a piece of newspaper and things sure. like that were mm. were believable and, you know, it did it did feel very small country town. Yeah, it felt I, like... I, I was convinced by everything except the people. Yeah, without growing up in 60s Australia, it felt 60s Australia yeah. to me. Yeah, sucking my hair. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I mean, nobody really overly enjoyed it. Um, I it, can see, like... 
Sorry. I mean, it was quite a... Yeah, I know you, please go. I can see how, like, if you experienced that, if you were a young man and you experienced all this, you know, stealing of cars, a friend dying, your friend getting knocked up, like, people went through some shit. It could be very important and poignant, especially with the nostalgia that goes along with this and maybe, you know, people looking at it and feeling a sense of, like, sameness. But it just felt like they'd... It was just weird them following him around, like he was a sort of poet, like he was the, the main character, like he's so lonely, and it was just, it felt, uh, it felt like someone was looking, the whole movie, someone was looking back at their youth and romanticising it, as opposed to a actual picture of youth. Which I guess is exactly what it was. Yeah. So I think if I was watching this as, you know, a 16, 17 year old, maybe I could have enjoyed it more, maybe I would have related more, not specifically to the events that happened, but maybe the teenage romance and those mm. sorts of things um maybe i'm getting old and jaded now yeah it doesn't feel quite as <laughs> <laughs> important yeah I, I, romance movies are important but this just wasn't one true. Tasty, yeah. i think i think you touched on something really important there with the nostalgia and i mm. think that's probably why a lot of people have rated this film so highly because it does really remind them of their youth and it's just something that we aren't connecting with having no. had completely different experiences but you can't base a whole film on nostalgia like there's films that i look at like even snowtown right aside from the dead bodies in the barrels i looked a lot of it and you know you see your youth reflected because of the shopping carts and the bicycles and the poverty and all yeah, this stuff but that was but, not in australia which but, we grew up in which we grew up in but that didn't um i guess it does have an effect on you but it still didn't carry the whole film i still left the film being like the nostalgia wasn't enough to make me love it right um so i don't know but i do get that maybe it helps yeah. yeah, so I can imagine like people like David Stratton who gave it five stars, and you know the people who were voting in the AFI awards at the time, which this won five of, I think you mentioned already. Yeah, um, were probably grew up in the same era. You know, have probably have the same experience and can see that reflected mm. on the screen. And you know, nostalgia is a powerful drug. Um, but yeah, it didn't do a hell of a lot for me. Uh, I guess there's you know, can you think of any Australian coming of age films? I mean, we keep coming back to... Um, Kiwi Blues and all that. Yeah, and Somersault we mentioned, you know. There's, so there's good ones out there. there but again, they're all set in eras we're familiar with. Maybe that's the important thing. There's no... The themes aren't enough to carry it, carry nostalgia. No, no, I, I, I disagree. I think that there are themes that are common to the 60s and the 90s when we grew up. I mean, people did petty crimes, you know, when we were growing up. Like, stealing a car was not something that was completely unheard of. Having a friend who you know, became pregnant as a, as a teenager and, you know, I'm sure that we have friends who, you know, made the decision to have babies and friends who chose not to or didn't choose not to. Sure. I don't think that those experiences are unique to the decade. I feel that the way that they were portrayed was emotionally disconnected, which yeah. may have been a hallmark of the 60s. And we, having grown up in a different time, when we were encouraged to talk about our feelings with more openness and clarity and more acceptance of a lot of things too yeah. although we we did grow up in a, a time where it's less you know it, the 60s were to the 90s what the 90s are to the to the decade of today sure. where there are things that were considered socially unacceptable in the 90s that are okay now and for us growing up looking at this movie made in the 60s to look at it and go that's not okay like i've just talked about you know jeering outside of the pub and that would never happen where i grew up that's right. a 30 year difference but does that still go on in small towns you know i mean some small towns are in australia possibly yeah you know what i think that my issue is is that i feel like the difference is dialogue 
is, is that in, like, for example, Snowtown. Like, Snowtown was not a coming-of-age movie, let's all just be clear. No. The movie we watched previously to this film. But it, it, I had a snapshot of, of like, 90s or previously lived uh, Australia um, in a specific town, a specific, specific socioeconomic context. But they just showed... They showed the shit. They took, there was a you know a, a, a video, a film. It's a video of, of like a of an ice cream van passing. This like you know out of tune sounds, kids licking ice creams, people getting beat up, you know spray paint on the walls. This like slow death. Yeah. Yeah. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, this is a portrait of that time. Whereas I feel like a lot of these, maybe the, my issue with the coming of age films in the fifties and stuff, it's like, oh no, Mary's knocked up. What's she gonna do? Like, there's this whole like we're we're, tell, we're talking about it. Um, it's not that we're not. They're talking about. It, they're just sort of spelling it out. There's not this like. Uh, and I guess in that they showed video of her like you know bleeding and having issues and stuff, but it didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't feel feel like a portrait of it. It felt like a um, a conversation. It always is. Yeah. Right. It's not quite as it's over dramatized. Yeah. yeah. There's less. Yes. Yeah, less visceral. Yeah. I guess. Almost. And maybe it's because I didn't live in it. So you yes, know. Yeah. yeah. Um, for for me, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Ben Mendelssohn didn't feel like Ben Mendelssohn. Like I, you know, who's relative convincing and special mention has to go to his laugh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> Which I'll um, attempt to throw in a supercut of after yeah. this. Hey! abhorrent sound to hear repeatedly it really was it was quite quite something and every time it happened i couldn't help laughing along with it which might have something to say for it and maybe it's something for his character and his ability to act at that age and you know what's weird is that uh, he was supposed to be this bad boy but he was that just took you out of the bad boy place because he didn't seem bad he seemed like a silly little kid he seemed like like a a fool yeah Yeah. and and, an absolute doofus like i would not he would not have been considered the bad boy by any means Mm. in any place I've ever spent time. No, I mean, well, I was still in the car. Still in the car, being handsome helped. (laughs) (laughs) I did not find him attractive. No, I mean, he was like fucking 16, but I mean, he's just had that like, you know, bad boy thing. No, even 16-year-old me would have found him repugnant. Right. Right. Mm. And what about Noah Taylor, 16-year-old from Noah Taylor? Uh, He looked too young. As an adult, he's fine. Look, at 13... I might have gone for it. Right. Once again, Nick Cave vibes. Nick Cave sure, vibes. Sure. He had the cool broody thing, but like he was just way too young for me to but, even think and, about. And and the panty stealing and sniffing. Yeah, would probably it, have pushed him into no. No, <laughs> he was in the no territory. He just seemed too broody, man. Like not broody in the like I'm not gonna act kind of way. Just in the like really, yeah. He just mulled on this chick for years. Yeah. I mean, we all did that. We were teenagers, but like, damn. And and he, I suppose he didn't win her in the end. She left town. Was she actually his sister? No. Oh, so that that is part of the story that was is something we haven't touched on is the fact that there was an abandoned, you know, 
haunted or creepy house up on the hill which Freya and Noah dared each other to stay in and Freya brought Trevor along for the ride. Freya oh, Freya and, and Danny. 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 Noah, no, he's Noah. Noah Danny, Taylor, Danny yeah. is a mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is and always will be Noah. Um, yeah, so we're Freya and Danny wanted to stay for a night and dared each other to. Freya brought Trevor along. Uh, intimacy mm. was uh, bloomed, mate. Yeah. It bloomed, <laughs> blossomed. <laughs> yeah, and um, Danny invests some time in finding out who this house belonged to and the origins of it. And we discover that Freya's mother was the occupant of the house, who it seems passed away in childbirth. And there's a bit of a mystery about who her father is. Yeah, there was some sort of insinuation that perhaps Danny's father was the father. He never quite admitted to going to visit uh, this Sarah Ferguson. Sarah Elizabeth Amory? Amy, something like that, yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, so we don't really know who her father was and I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, just quickly because we're running out of time, uh, would you recommend Snowtown to anybody? Um, yes. yes, you would? No. Yes, I would. Um, okay, why would you, Julia? Uh, I'd probably recommend it to my mother because she makes the most hilarious sounds when she's disgusted. It's <laughs> fucked up. It's fucked up, bro. Uh, I would not recommend it to anyone. No, I mean, I would recommend it to film students uh, who... I, would re- I think it's a beautifully shot film. Uh, my lack of recommendation is based on... Uh, the. Do I think it was a necessary film to make? I do have a yeah a random feeling about these things, which is that I do feel like we, we are teaching all these young men and all women, but mostly young men in, and women, whatever, that, that if you do some terrible murders, you're going to get a sick Netflix special, like there's this thing. <laughs> so I don't feel like recommending these but you movies. you can't profit from crime in Australia. You can't profit from crime, but they do profit in this, in this um, well, now I've got a feature film well, made out of me. Guess, now yeah. you go on Netflix and you can get, like, making a murder. You can get, you do all this fucked up shit, and then they do some, like, artistic shots of you sawing a body it's like I have weird feelings about it so I wouldn't recommend it based on that and I also wouldn't recommend it because it was just a dirge it's just sad like it's if you like it's like it's like liking a really good it's like that that, that photography takes photos of starving children and stuff it's a it's a acquired taste it's for people who maybe want to get closer to the 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 things the the, the bad parts of life I, I don't always want to get that close sure um, when it comes to like incest rape and like no, shoving bodies those. in barrels <laughs> <laughs> but like hey if that's if that really you know if that story and the fucking cinematographer the cameraman aside from the shaky cam but like the bit when they're in the it was if, if that movie if, if they had directed The Year My Voice Broke everyone involved in that Snowtown film or another like Somersault I would have been like yes motherfucking yes it's just the content okay. that's not my je- okay. that's not my vibe so I know I'm talking for a long time <laughs> no, no, you can right, cut me good. out you can cut me out Podman, but you know, it's it's. Uh, so I would say it's subjective, and I reckon they made. They're great filmmakers, and I love the behind the scenes piece. Peace. <laughs> um, Over and out, toast out. I would I would recommend it to people because I no. uh, I enjoyed it. It's, I wouldn't watch it again, but it's worth seeing because it's a very well made film very and well it made. was very engaging and it had an emotional effect on me. Yeah, I that was way as, more aside, as, aside aside from me wanting to listen to my mother. You know, <laughs> which is the noise that she makes. Um, off my nails. It was, it was an important story. It is a part of our history, and 
I think it could also be used kind of as a bit of a teaching aid of like, this is how easy it is. Grooming bruv. Yeah. Mm. To, you know, so. and, and to illustrate some of the ugly undersides of, of life that we don't necessarily see in terms of, you know, child exploitation and manipulation and domestic violence and control. And I just... It's a great story. Definitely. I wouldn't I wouldn't watch it again, but I would definitely recommend it. I think that's another issue I have with it, which is that they did it too well. Like it was so <laughs> well done. You know the actors were amazing. That's the one thing that dude, what's his whatever the actor the main actor was who played the serial killer. Uh, was so good. My notes here. Somewhere. Uh, Daniel Herschel. Daniel Herschel, hashtag best actor. Like, he was amazing. It was just so good that you're like, I feel like I'm watching people kill people and shove them in barrels okay super quick would you recommend my year the year no. my voice break Peace. no I'm not. no i'm not even talking about it julia <laughs> if i never think of it again it'll be too soon i yeah i don't think i could unless Sorry, you grew up in the 60s maybe i would say you know check it out because you'll probably feel nostalgic about it but um overall it wasn't that great a film do you like the cinematography though thank you um that's it for this episode uh next time i've got two films that i've never heard of and i don't think many people have otherwise so i'm looking forward to those um, one is called Envy, and the other one I'll have to look up again. It might technically by, be by a New Zealand director and a New Zealand film, but I'm willing to stretch those boundaries. This is the Australasian film podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We're expanding. Um, right, so thank you, Toasty, for attending. What's up? Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Joe. And we'll um, see you next time. Yahoo's is recorded at Fancy Goods, the noisiest studio in Melbourne. Theme music is Joker by Six Umbrellas via the Free Music Archive. All other samples have been used under fair use laws and belong to their respective copyright holders. Any questions or comments, please contact us at SiriusYahoo's at gmail.com. Hold up. 